0: Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment.
1: And now, Dr. History, that's right. Happy 4th of July, Zeb. You know, I'm really looking forward to a great Independence Day weekend. I love it. I am. I do, too. I, I'm looking forward to being with my family. I'm looking forward to being like a little kid with the sparklers and whatever else might go bang and fizz-fizz or whatever.
0: I've got all six of my kids and their spouses and my grandkids, so we're going to have 28 people really? at my house this week. Yeah.
1: Are you going to have fireworks?
0: Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, we'll probably have some. And then we're going to go over to the Rupert Fireworks yeah. and watch that what, yeah. Thursday night. Thursday night. Yeah. yeah. So it's 28 fun. people. Yeah. And little crazy. kids with
1: sparklers. Yeah. Well, and what could fire, go wrong there? And, right? the, and the fire department on call. <laughs> what could go, possibly go wrong?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the robbery at the Denver Mint. But I, I need to, <laughs> uh, a good friend of ours, the Schnitzel Fluster, Oh my goodness. <laughs> He's back. And uh, he Budweiser Schnitzel Flooster. <laughs> He uh, suggested we do a show about bells, and he sent me some information about, like, fire bells that they used to have in the towns and stuff.
1: Oh. So, anyway, so... I thought you were talking about my family.
0: Uh, no. Oh. No. no. Now, that would be an interesting story,
1: but... Well, we can't put that one on the air. No, okay.
0: So, here we go. This is... Mr. Fruster. thank you. Thank you very much. So, Jim Clark made off with nearly $37,000 from the U.S. branch mint In Denver. And no one was more surprised than a guy named George Lane, who was the superintendent. And uh, George Lane didn't go out on the town at night. He didn't know, didn't have much extracurricular activities. And he totally trusted his clerk, this Jim Clark, which led to the theft. Oh. Now, I'm going to show you a picture of the Denver Mint back then. See that, Zeb? It's really not much. Well, it's, I have been should, to the Denver Mint. Have you? Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's just back in 1836. So yeah. Not much there. But anyway, on February 16, 1864, the Rocky Mountain News referred to the robbery as the, quote, fatal step which strikes deeply into the finances of the U.S. Treasury and one of the most serious, strange events in our country's history. Well, the mint that time uh, was no more than an assay office uh, which received and uh, refined gold into ingots. So it really didn't do a lot but mm-hmm. anyway so this jim clark james d clark he was 21 years old and just kind of a short guy from pennsylvania he was hired after being recommended uh he possessed all the qualities that uh, you'd hope for in a young man uh he had character education appearance popularity his salary was eighteen hundred dollars a year which at that time was actually pretty good for anybody, but as the old saying goes, somebody some people just can't stand prosperity. Right. So eighteen hundred, uh I, I did some figuring and uh, today's money it would be twenty three times that. So it'd be well like about forty thousand, forty five thousand really? a year. Wow. Yeah. So that's you know, not bad. But uh, Jim had a little issue with gambling and drinking and partying and Uh, This has added up to a severe strain on Clark's finances. I see. And in order to maintain his newly acquired high standard of living, he dipped into the resources of the Mint. You know, do they check these people every night before they leave? No. So he tried to recoup his uh, gambling debts. But within six, six weeks, he was in so deep that he decided the easiest way out would be to take off without leaving a forwarding address. Uh-huh. All right. Got the picture here. I do. After making that decision, he did some fast thinking and concluded that he might as well up the ante, which turned out to be $37,000, and make his flight uh, a, a good proposition. And I figured that out. That's $854,000. Wow. in today's money.
1: In today's money. Yeah. yeah.
0: So 37,000.
1: But I've often wondered about uh, sticky fingers working at the mint.
0: Well, that's a good, you know. I guess they just trusted these guys. You know, well, he I came, guess. he was highly recommended and they thought it, they thought he was a good honest guy. So here we go. On Saturday the 18th, Clark left the Mint as usual, but he came back to his office after supper. He was seen by the watchman and a messenger, but nothing was thought of it because he often did that. It was assumed later that he had collected the treasury notes, gold coins, and a gold bar during the day and put them in his desk. And upon his return, he placed the loot on the windowsill and propped the window open with a pencil. Oh,
1: yeah. this now, guy was pretty sharp.
0: Yeah, really. he was. So the superintendent Lane was actually in the next room with an open door between him and Clark, uh, who'd worked quietly all the time. And anyway, Clark slipped out, picked up his haul without the superintendent ever knowing he'd been there. So he came in and out after dinner in the evening, and Lane never did – didn't know anything was going on. So Clark, the pay clerk, uh, as he frequently did, had engaged a saddle horse for the weekend to ride out to visit an uncle who lived southeast of Denver. Now, after his sudden change in plans, he loaded up with two Navy pistols, a revolver, two saddlebags, and a pair of spurs – He made good use of one of the bags by stuffing the notes into it and sewing it up later. And being a friend of the stable owner, Clark left him $200 dollars. Figuring it would be enough to pay for the horse, because he wasn't going to bring it back.
1: I didn't think so.
0: So by leaving the money, he also uh, eliminated the possibility of being lynched for a horse thief if he were ever caught. Yeah. So he was thinking ahead. So he paid for it. Yeah, he he was thinking ahead. Okay. So Jim Clark took off along the... A uh, place called uh, Cherry Creek. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that. Out of Denver or uh, something like that. I'm not no, sure. It must be a small place. Okay. But he breezed right past his uncle's house without stopping. Um,
1: and he had all the money with him. Yeah,
0: he had everything in the saddlebags, everything, yeah. all the money. So later on, when he reached uh, unfamiliar country, he got lost. Uh-oh. And wandered about until he came upon a charcoal burner. I guess that's the guy that's burning charcoal to sell. So Clark, being cold and tired, gave the man $2.50 to keep his fire going until morning. Well, by sunup, he was pretty well thought out and he continued on until he came to the home of a guy named William Maines. So remember that name. We're going to talk about okay. him quite a bit. So Clark told him that he wanted to steer clear of the U.S. military authorities because he, uh, a commission was waiting for him in the Mexican Army. In other words, he was going to go to Mexico and fight for Mexico. That's what he told oh. this guy, Maine's.
1: He'd have been better off saying nothing.
0: Yeah, probably, really, but he wanted to avoid any military or any oh. authorities. Okay. So this Maine's agreed to guide him by a roundabout way to the Arkansas River for two hundred dollars.
1: Uh-huh. Well, uh huh.
0: Well, interesting enough, the tenderfoot Clark found horseback riding a little bit hard. Going And so by Monday, Monday afternoon, they stopped for a while at a sawmill before leaving the main traveled road. He and Maine spent the night at a cattle camp where the herder, a guy named Evans, directed them to a permanent camp on Chico Creek, some 65 miles to the south of Denver. Oh Chico Creek. Yeah. Now, because of the fog, they got a late start uh on tuesday but by traveling late they reached the divide that separates the watersheds of the south platte and the arkansas rivers and this section about 50 miles south of denver has long been kind of notorious for its sudden fierce storms well as luck would have it a heavy snow was already falling when they made camp and after tying the horses together they thoughtlessly turned them loose
1: Now, these weren't the brightest lights in the fixture.
0: A a greenhorn like Clark might be excused for doing
2: something like that. Okay, But Maines should have known better.
1: Absolutely.
0: He was a horse guy. Yeah. Well,
2: (laughs) this country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together.
0: That was, the last time, that was the last they ever saw of their horses. So there they are. There they are. They're camped. They've got the saddles, the gear. Everything. But
1: they still got the money.
0: Yeah, and uh, no horses. Right. So Maines tried to track down the, the horses the next morning, but he gave up. Um, and then the men stashed everything but the revolver, some food, and the valuable saddle bag, and they set out on foot. Now, roughly. let
1: me ask you a question. Did Maines know that there was gold and all that type of thing?
0: I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I don't know if he confided that to him or not. I I don't think he did. So I think Maines was just uh, trying to guide him, you know, uh, to safety, I guess. I see. But they left the saddles and everything else there. So evidently they were better hikers than horsemen because Clark figured they covered about 25 miles before stopping at a settlement for the night. Now, the next morning, Thursday morning, Clark, by now his feet must have been pretty sore, offered $100 for an ox team to haul them onto the Arkansas River. Uh, and uh, anyway, he didn't get any takers, and he did the next best thing. He bought a pony for $60. A pony? A pony. A pony. It says a pony. So uh. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, are we talking Shetland? Yeah. You know, what are we talking here? Yeah. Anyway, so with, and Maines is still with him. This is
1: not following, right?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure why he, anyway, but he is. So with one riding and the other walking, he and Maine set out eastward for Chico Creek. When they reached the cattle camp that afternoon, Clark was almost within sight of the river, which was his goal. And with his chances of getting home free, it became better with each mile. He figured he was in pretty good shape. Meanwhile, back at the Mint, back home uh it had not been discovered until Monday morning, uh, which, with Clark missing and the money gone, didn't take much imagination to connect one with the other. And a reward of $1,000 was posted for the return of Clark uh, and his loot. And descriptions were given of Clark. And the description would fit about anybody almost. But then they had a description of the horse was a long-tailed roan, blind in one eye. (laughs) So that was the horse he was riding. Yeah, okay. Okay. And this was sent to the authorities all over the region. There was nothing to go on as to which direction they had taken out of town. So they didn't know which way they'd gone.
1: Okay, so they sent an APB on a blind-eyed horse. Horse,
0: yes. (laughs) And a guy on it.
1: (laughs) Well, he was. He was,
0: for a while. So Superintendent Lane had a son named Amos, and a friend of his named William Crocker, they rented a two-horse rig and set out after the robbers. In a buggy. In a buggy. Because now there's a $1,000 rewards. Oh. So, again, snow. this must have been in the winter. Snow was falling when they reached the sawmill where Clark had stopped uh, for a little while. And there they heard about his hiring of Maines and also the cooked up story about the Mexican Army Commission. Uh, well, Amos decided at that point to return to Denver. He didn't know, you know, if he was on the right track or not, uh, because it, it'd be too difficult to trace anyone in this open country. Well, that night, however, they met Evans who told them that the two had stayed at his camp some 25 miles to the south on Monday night and that he had directed them to the cattle camp on Chico Creek. So now they had an idea. They had an idea that they were headed to this place called Chico Creek. So Amos and his buddy uh, now had a direction to go. And I still have the question
1: that I've asked you. Can I just ask this or don't you have enough time? No, go ahead. In the old days, when you say over on Chico Creek, and you point in a direction. How did they ever find what they were looking for?
0: Great question. And I guess, you know, there were landmarks, you know, like such-and-such mountains, such-and-such butte. or hey, But you might miss them. True, yeah. You know, I've always wondered how some of those guys, the mountain men especially, made it through places like yeah. Island, Island Park, where the, you get into those trees, you don't know which way where you're going. There you go. Anyway, so Amos and his buddy uh with knowledge then of Clark's destination uh, they forgot about returning to Denver and resumed their uh, traveling early Thursday morning they crossed the divide during the mountain uh, during the morning traveling by the most direct route and they reached the El Paso post office station a distance of 65 miles by nightfall at this point <clears throat> they were but, <clears throat> but uh, a few hours behind the embezzler and their $1,000 reward, which, as I mentioned, uh, in today's money would be about twenty three, twenty five thousand dollars $25,000 reward. Yeah. So anyway, during the evening, the sheriff of El Paso County strayed in from the south and told of hearing about two strangers who had tried to hire a team to go back and get some abandoned saddles. So evidently... Cook and Maines wanted to go back and get the saddles. And the saddlebags. Well, no, they had the gold. They had the, all the treasure with him. They were He was carrying that. But they, I guess they wanted to go back, I don't know why, to get the saddles. But anyway, the next morning, they borrowed two saddles. This is Amos and his buddy. And mounting their buggy horses, start out accompanied by the sheriff. When they reached the cattle camp, they surprised Clark and Maines, eating a leisurely breakfast with the herders. And although the young man still had his revolver, he offered no resistance. Instead, he appeared to be relieved that it was all over. So he was caught, just that easy. Really? By Amos and his buddy and and the sheriff.
1: Amos's brother's name wasn't Andy, was it? No, oh, okay. no, no. It's uh, not his brother. It's his buddy, William.
0: <laughs> William. And that was the end. No, oh no, we're not done. Oh, we still got a little more to go I'm here. I'm sorry, I apologize. Okay, so the party, including the sheriff, uh, then began the trip back to Denver.
1: Okay, now they're going back. Now they're going back, and they're going to ride by the saddles.
0: Maybe, I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, they they made it to the mint in Denver. On Sunday afternoon, and uh, this kind of was the end of a really pretty tough week for Clark the robber. Yeah, know? I mean really? he he'd been cold. He'd, Poor guy you know, tried to ride a horse, which he obviously yeah. he didn't. He, have he done was much. he was chafed. <laughs> he was yes, he was. <laughs> now Clark still had about twenty nine thousand in notes and gold coins, but he didn't have the gold bar. Remember, he had a, oh yeah he had stolen a gold bar that had to be heavy carrying. Oh that. yeah, yeah. But he had no idea what had happened to it, but remembered changing it from one position on his saddle to another after leaving Denver. And he thought it might have been lost in the storm uh, or left with the saddles. He didn't know what happened to it. Well, with several thousand dollars, as well as the bar still missing, Maines and two others, one a deputy marshal, were sent to bring in the saddles. Well, Maine's had no trouble finding the place where they had been left, but someone else had beaten them to it and had taken the saddles and maybe the gold bar, they thought. Uh-huh. Now, that's not the end of it. I didn't think so. The gold bar, nevertheless, did turn up later in kind of an unexpected manner. On the morning after the robbery, two young guys were out walking and found it a short distance out of town, out of Denver. Well, we lost it way back there. Yeah. So they banged up the mint marks on the gold because, you know, they always marked them with some kind of marking like yeah. the Denver Mint, maybe yeah. date or whatever. Yeah. So they banged it all up. Uh, then they sought it in half. One of them took his half to Central City, a mining town west of Denver, and he sold it to a bank. When the banker tried to deposit it at the mint, then it was recognized, and the other half was recovered uh, when they rounded up the two guys that had the gold bars, so now they had the the sawn in half gold bar. Okay,
1: you're losing me somewhat, but <laughs> go ahead.
0: <laughs> the gold bar was recovered. Yeah, we'll just put it that way. Yeah, by two guys who had found it, cut it in half, tried to sell it,
1: and then they were crooks too.
0: Well, they were finders, and you know, find, yeah, but they didn't finder. get
1: prosecuted. No, they. But that isn't that federal property.
0: Well. Y- they just found it, Zeb. And then yeah, and they it, cut it in half. They cut it in half. You know, what are you going to do? You know, half a half a gold bar. I'm going
1: to go find my saddle. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, with, with the return of the bar, the loss was cut to about $4,500. Amos Lane passed up his third of the share of the reward because his father, the superintendent, was stuck for what was lost. So the superintendent had to make up for the loss of what was... Of what Clark had stolen. So his son decided, okay, he wouldn't take...
1: So dad was on the hook. Yeah. For Clark taking the money. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well... Clark was charged with investment and larceny and tossed into jail, but he escaped six weeks later. Here we go again. After hiding around town for a couple of weeks. Got to find the saddle. T- during which his <laughs> friends supplied him with everything he needed, including liquor. He again pulled out, but this time toward the north and on foot. I guess he decided riding a horse wasn't his thing. He took a job as a stock tender on a ranch about 70 miles from Denver, but was soon spotted by a lawman and returned to jail. Now, wait a
1: minute. Let, let's back up the bus. We've got a minute left. Clark is released.
0: No, no, he's in jail. Oh,
1: he, jo- he, escaped. he, he escaped. Yeah, he escaped. And he had friends that supplied him. Yeah. Okay.
0: And then he took off. And he walked. He walked to a ranch. Not a got a job.
1: Not a smart guy. In the wintertime.
0: Yeah, got a job. But uh, a sheriff or a deputy saw him and recognized him, and so he... Went back to jail.
1: And nothing happened to Amos and Andy? Amos? Uh, no, that was the son. He just... Well, there was two of them, though.
0: Yeah, Amos and, and William. Oh, William, I forgot. You. Yeah, no, they they, they were fine because they had actually helped arrest the guy.
1: And what about the father that
0: was being held accountable? He just hey, he had to come up with the money for the loss. And how much was the loss? Uh, we don't know for sure. Uh, we figured there was 37000 and Ooh. so the loss was about forty five hundred. So that would be still be like forty five thousand, fifty thousand dollars. Okay, you know I'm going to ask.
1: You know I'm going to ask what happened to Maine's. He just kind of drifted around,
0: and <laughs> you're making went, this up. Uh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> he just went back home and continued doing what he, whatever it was. But he, he was did. part of the guilty. S- sort of, yeah, he sort of was. But we still don't know if Clark told him about the robbery. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he just said, oh, yeah, this is some money I earned, whatever. So There's a lot of loose ends there, buddy. <laughs> there it is. There it is.
1: <laughs> that's but, a good story. We've got to tell that one again. <laughs> only slower.
0: <laughs> so, I tried to go slow, Zab. Anyway, that's All the right. story of the robbery at the Denver man.
1: There you go. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, he did it again,
2: as he always
1: does, Dr. History.
2: Mother's Day is almost here.